this thing on? It is. Oh, it's so good to be back. I can't believe you guys waited for me. No, but seriously, a few of you have reached out and been wondering where I've been all year because you're right. I didn't plan on just doing the podcast for a year and then calling it quits. I actually did want to keep it going. Uh, it's been quite the year and it's only April. And I mean that like it's been kind of hectic for me with some things, which I'll probably rehash at some point, you know, here or there, whatever, as I move along throughout the year and get in a better groove. I'm kind of changing up the format just a little bit, not too much, but just a little tweak here and there. Um, I'm going to do once a week, kind of trying to aim for Wednesdays for the most part, just like today. And what I want to do is kind of just, you know, give a quick little intro, generally speaking. Now, today's episode is going to be kind of like what you've seen before because I had a guest and we were just going and it was great. And we're talking BYU sports. He's um, kind of telling me kind of his insights and things like that. Jake Hatch, who's an awesome guy. Um, but normally what I think I'm going to do is kind of an intro give you kind of like a little personal anecdote or a story, just like random stories that I'll be sharing here and there. Um, have a guest for anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes and then kind of close with maybe more of a gospel insight, personal anecdote type thing, church things, whatever, because I kind of want to make it a little bit more focused around that. I love studying the scriptures now. That's because I need it more than anyone I know, quite frankly. So there's that. But before... I kind of introduce the episode and everything. I want to go through a couple things that I missed that I wish I could have talked about on the podcast this year. So I'm just going to start spitting it out. Uh, So Biden didn't end COVID, but apparently Putin did. Team Ukraine, I think, and by that I don't mean I'm Team Russia by any means. There's just like some weird political dynamics at play. The Batman was garbage. Really did not like that movie. I used to share a birthday with Will Smith, but now I identify him as having a birthday on a different day than September 25th. But on that note, I'm actually on team abuse. I think Will Smith is kind of a shell of himself. I think we're witnessing a man who is desperate to please his wife because he has heretofore struggled with her approval. Very bizarre, but even more than bizarre, it's sad. General conference was fantastic. My favorite talks were Elder Badnar from Saturday morning, President Eyring from Saturday morning, and President Nelson from Sunday morning. And by the way, I heard the other day, I can't tell my sources, but President Nelson's eyesight has improved. So maybe the man's getting translated as we see it right in front of our eyes. Um, Biggest takeaways from me for those talks are that basically temptations can subside when we remind ourselves of the covenants we made by staying worthy and participating in those covenants as much as we can, which seems to make a lot of sense, right? Certainly resonated with me, something that I've been working on on a personal level. I loved conference, um, and I hope you all did too. Now, those were the only things that I could really think of off the top of my head, but today's episode is kind of a throwback type episode where, you know, it's the beginning of BYU sports, like jaded BYU sports fan, things like that. So I'm sorry if that's not what you were expecting for my first episode back in a while, but here we are. Um, It's Jake Hatch who actually produces the morning show for DJ and PK, which, you know, honestly are some of the biggest blue bloods when it comes to Utah sports radio. They've been doing it for years. He's been producing their show for a long time. He also hosts the Locked On Cougars podcast. He's very well connected to the BYU realm as well as the jazz and he's he's just been in the sports arena for a while jake is a really really nice guy it was very generous of him to come on because he broke a pretty big story about the transfer portal going on yesterday or sorry i say yesterday because 
I am recording this on a Tuesday, but it's Wednesday. Um, and of some transfers coming out of the wire that just kind of seem to come out of the blue. Anyway, so I hope you all enjoy that episode, especially you BYU fans. A couple shout-outs real quick. Uh, the first big one is that I'm a great uncle. How nuts is that? I hope that means I have a new listener on the show, for the show. Um, uh, my niece, Amanda, and her husband, Dalton Nelson, uh, just had a baby boy. Congrats to them. I'm pretty sure they named him Harper. Just, I, I don't know, word has it that that's his name. Honestly, I'm blanking on his name, and I'm very sorry about that. But <laughs> just know that I love you both. Congratulations to both of you. I cannot believe I'm a great uncle right now. That is insane, but amazing at the same time. Um, and then also shout out to you, my friend, Derek. Derek Williams, who I ran into the other day, and he is one of the OG listeners slash fans, I guess. I don't really like referring to listeners as fans. That sounds too a little, self, a little too self-serving for me. But appreciators of my pontifications, if that's even a word. Um, Derek, you're a great guy, man. Thanks for encouraging me to get back on the wagon and to get recording again. Not that you were like pushy about it, but you're just saying, you know, like, hey, where is it at? And it's like, you know what? Where is it at? So here it is. It's back. I'm back. We're going to do once a week until um, maybe I feel like that randomly I could shoot another one out during the week. But it is a busy year for me work-wise, but kind of coming into my own. Um, also, I'll be moving uh, within the next few months because I bought a townhome down in American Fork. So that's some big life news for me. Um I can't really think of much else to cover before we get to the pod. One thing that comes to mind that I wrote down recently, and this is not like, we've all heard this before, right? Like, you know, we kind of suffer from these anxious moments because ultimately it's that we are concerning ourselves with things that are out of our control, right? We, we often hear that the idea of quelling anxiety by focusing on what you can control, like what can you control? That's when your life will change. But what our anxiety is manifested through troubling ourselves with what is out of our control, right? That's true. That that definitely is true. But I don't think enough focus is placed on how to identify what we can versus what we can't control. And that's what makes the serenity prayer so inspired, which is, if I remember right, the serenity prayer goes, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. The wisdom to know the difference being the determining factor there. How can you identify what you can control versus what you can't? Because I think a lot of times we have a hard time determining what we can control versus what we can't, and that's where our anxiety lies. If we're able to identify that, generally we can just let it go. But it's actually harder to get to that point than we think. So, something to think about. Maybe we need to be start maybe we need to start praying a little bit more about identifying what we're able to control and what we cannot control. And then from there, we'll easily be able to, well, maybe not easily, but at least a little easier, we can let go of the things that we can't control. Because you know what? It's out of our realm, out of our concern. Ergo, it should not affect our mindset. Anyway, that was a little tidbit that I thought of recently. I wrote that down. I thought maybe y'all would like to hear that. I'm going to try and do things like that a little bit more often. With that said, it's good to be back. Thank you again for tuning in and listening. Enjoy the rest of this episode with Jake Hatch. I'll be back next week. Kind of a little fun episode that I have planned where I'm going to talk about this time that I was on an episode of Ridiculousness, believe it or not. And I do plan on showing this video on social media. So get ready for that next week. Love you all. See you soon.
Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. All right. Joining me today for the podcast is uh, someone I've known for, I mean, I met you probably about 12 years ago, Jake. Does that sound about right? It's got to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Jake Hatch, who, I mean, we were, we started out in somewhat similar situations, but you had, you, you started as an intern for specifically Greg Rebell doing KSL, Mm -hmm. BYU sports, all the radio stuff. You're kind of doing his producing and just whatever else he asked you to do essentially. Right. Uh, Yeah. For lack of a better term. Yeah. I was, I was a do everything (laughs) guy. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I remember uh, Greg actually had to track me down a couple times too to just like get some like snippets for him every now and then. I'm just like, now I know a little bit of how Jake feels because I think it was in between interns for him. I think you had kind of moved on at that point and he was waiting to get like another crew. And so I became the whipping boy for just like a second and went to some BYU practices for him. But um, these days though, you're doing some big things actually. You're right currently producing the morning show for 1280 The Zone, which is DJ and PK, which honestly are some of the biggest names in Utah, the state of Utah sports radio. How long have you no. been doing that for? I actually, I, I knew you've been doing that, but I don't know how, for how long at all. So uh, DJ and PK, yes, they are the titans, it feels like, of yeah. all things sports radio here in the state. They actually just celebrated their 20th anniversary. I have been with them for eight years, so I have done roughly 40% of their shows. It's it's funny to think about. I've been doing it for that long, but That's it right. has truly been one of the highlights of my career to work with those two because they have taught me a lot, and I have just absolutely been able to sit there and learn at the feet of, of two of the real masters when it comes to sports radio. Yeah, and as if that wasn't enough, you've got your own kind of podcast going under the Locked On brand, mm-hmm. which is the Locked On Cougars, right? So that's all part of David Locke's like conglomerate, right? Yeah, so after I was done interning with Greg Rubel, I actually was an intern for David Locke. So I've known David for almost as long as I've known Greg, since as long as I've known you. It, it's, wow. it goes back over a decade at this point. So I uh, got in with Locke, worked with him. He actually helped uh, kind of broker me getting into the sports radio business that I've been in now for almost a decade. And he, when he decided to do Locked On Jazz, he built that out from there, built a, what they call the Locked On Podcast Network. And when he, he decided to go with the college realm, he's like, hey, are you interested in doing this? I'm like, absolutely. He's like, I want you to do the BYU show. I said, absolutely. So let's do it. And I've been doing Locked On Cougars now for we're in our fourth year doing that podcast. Yeah, I've pulled you up a, a bunch of times. I mean, you do a great job, man. It's kind of interesting, though, because you you have to be very efficient. I, it seems like kind of the brand is just like, hey, like, just get it out. It's like this is just all straight news, just objective, yeah. hard facts, tell the story. But what's funny is that you don't you're not able to share your opinion a, a whole lot. It seems like that's not really you're not quite in that business, at least quite yet. Yeah, so the, the the locked on brand, what it is, it's the idea is to have a daily podcast focused on whatever team somebody's a fan of. So in David's case, it's the, it's the Utah Jazz. I do the BYU element. I did locked on Utes covering the University of Utah for about a year with Brian Brown. Austin Facer, I don't know how many people would know that name, but Austin just recently picked up the reins on that one. So the idea is, is it's, it's a it's a fast paced uh 20 to 30 minute podcast every single day with all the pertinent news a BYU fan in my case needs to know about. So yeah. yes, 
It's it's more objective, hard facts, the news of the day. Opinion does get mixed in every so often, but yes, the the idea of it is is it's so quick that yeah, you can't really I guess uh, inject a ton of uh, opinion into it. Yeah, it's just kind of a shot in the arm, but it was awesome. Like I, mm-hmm. I obviously I had to pull up today's. I mean, I've like I said, I pull up a bunch. In fact, funny enough, my nephew actually listens to you all the time. He's in middle school, and. <laughs> He won some tickets of, okay. uh, that you were you given out for some contest that you put on, and he took me to the game. It was for the Virginia BYU game. <laughs> oh, really? He's like, okay. He's like, actually, I got it from the Locked On podcast. I was like, wait a second, is that Jake Hatch's podcast? He's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I know Jake. He's like, no way. <laughs> so shout out to Jimmy, Jimmy Anderson. He uh, okay. I know the yours. name. I know the name absolutely. I, I I'm yeah. very familiar with that name. So he's a good kid. I mean, he just it's fun to watch kind of his unabashed approach to loving BYU sports because I think we were all there and some of us still are mm-hmm. I love BYU sports but then sometimes I feel like I hate them more than anyone too just because they frustrate me more than anything it's like <laughs> it's like a sibling that you're like but you have so much potential what are you doing <laughs> well and th- that, that's the thing about that I, I think that everybody has a different relationship with sports. I've been in the sports media realm, actually covering uh, BYU and these other teams for so long that in my wife's eyes, I am an awful sports fan because she says that you, you rarely get up for like a big game anymore. And yes, I, my fandom quote unquote has been ruined in many ways, covering yeah. sports for a living. But at the same time, I am still very much about high-level athletics, whether that's BYU. In this case, I'm wearing a Utah Jazz shirt uh, during this interview. Regardless of whatever it is, it can be it can be tiddlywinks. As long as it's high-level competition, I'm all in on it. I'm a sports fan first and foremost. Uh, I just so happen to be able to draw a paycheck talking about it on a day-to-day basis, and it's it's a really fun thing to do. But it does take a lot of the I guess the emotional fandom out of you. But hey, yeah. it's fun. Like you mentioned, your nephew. That's what I love. The, the the passion that exists from sports fans, that's what allows me to have the job that I have. So I can never get away from that. It, it, that passion, when it turns to apathy, is when you're in real trouble. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why I could never do what you do like full-time. That's why the, the genesis of my own podcast is to start a mm-hmm. podcast for jaded BYU sports fans because it's like <laughs> nobody really ever talks about – like don't get me wrong – the lane, the media guys that do BYU, they do such a good job. Like they're connected. And in all honesty, I know you're not going to accept this, but you've got to be one of the top insiders for BYU sports, which is nothing short of impressive. And it's fun to see your evolution there. But I could never do that. Like I, I, I'm the one that's like always just kind of like, let's just call a spade a spade. BYU is just not that good this year or whatever. And I'm not sure. talking about like, I'm not generally one of those fans that catastrophizes either. Like, I don't, I don't want to sit there and be like, oh my gosh, the wheels are falling off. And we'll get to that in a second because there is okay. a lot going on this week. Yeah. But to do what you do to like kind of stay in that little nice little hybrid of being a fan of just sports in general, appreciating it, and then also having it be your job, that's, mm-hmm. that, that takes some energy, man. There's well, no question about that. And that's the thing. I, I have conversations with uh, guys who are coming out of school. I, I have conversations with a lot of BYU graduates who are in communications that they're looking at what they want to do. And I've had enough conversations with them. And I, I've told them, here's the thing. If you want to get into sports media, it's an all-encompassing lifestyle. And that that's the thing. I, I'm lucky enough that I have a very understanding wife, two kids who know that dad has to watch a lot of games, has to go to a lot of press conferences, has to write a lot of stuff, has to record a lot of podcasts. 
I'm lucky enough that they understand the, the, the sacrifices that go into this because when you are in the sports media realm, it is truly all encompassing because yes, you're watching the games. You're staying up late to attend press conferences. You're driving to press conferences on a seemingly daily basis. In my case, I'm doing this podcast every single day as well. It truly is an all encompassing 24 seven and 24 seven, 365 type job. And there's a lot of people that, I, that have aspirations of getting into it. And I've seen folks get into it, realize, you know what? I ain't cut out for this. And then they go and find something else. There's other people that get into it. In my case, I didn't necessarily aspire to get into sports radio, but I got into it, found I absolutely loved it. I've been doing it for a decade now, and it has not gotten old yet. And that, I think, is a big part of it. I've I've told enough young people out there when it comes to this industry, a lot of people get chewed up and spit out with it. And at some point, I may end up in that same boat but the nice part is i've been able to carve out 10 plus years of doing this and i don't plan on stopping anytime soon yeah man it's awesome and it's been i mean you've made it so far and it's promising let's just say that your future is very promising well, thank you it'll be exciting to see where you end up because i'm sure i i mean i'm not i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a pie in the sky type guy but you just kind of have all the the right things going on your way and you work hard so i i could totally see you just really leaning into that and just having your own radio show at some point, which I'm sure is the, one of the ultimate goals I, to name a few. But that's part of the, that's part of the dream. Absolutely. I've always aspired since I got into to doing sports radio, I want to call it getting on the other side of the glass. Producing is great. And trust me, I, I, there's a lot about producing that I have found very fulfilling and a lot of fun, but the real fun I feel like is being on the other side and then spouting off with your opinions every single day, your hot takes, uh, yeah. your nuanced opinions, all that type of stuff. That is what the ultimate end goal is for me. And at some point, I hope to make it to that level. But in the meantime, I uh, just keep grinding every day and do my thing. You got to pay your dues. That's right. Yeah. So, okay, let's uh, let's get to the let's get to the meat of this. <laughs> I am actually like really pumped to talk to you about this because for one, you broke the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was all over Twitter yesterday for BYU fans, which was that Caleb Lohner and Gideon George mm-hmm. decided to submit their names into the transfer portal um with that we we all kind of we knew we had known prior to this that Gideon George was saying he was going to try to go to the NBA correctly dabble check it out you know and that's that's not uncommon so when we heard that we're kind of like well we've had that happen before we're thinking there's a good chance Gideon George dabbles checks it out and then comes back and he's just like let's let's have a good you know another next year and see how that gets me when it comes to the, the overall perspective of the NBA or as a prospect. But hearing that, that he an- entered the transfer portal was definitely more of like a, okay, wait a second. He's gone. Like he's, he's, it seems like he's out the door. Now you mentioned on your podcast this morning that never technically means they're gone for sure. You can be in the transfer portal and then you can actually take your name back out of it and stay at your school. That's not very likely to happen in these scenarios the, the addition with Loner was when kind of the, everybody lost their minds. And then if that wasn't enough, you just barely noted on Twitter. You did give credit to Criddle. Uh, uh, we got another Gavin Baxter, who we didn't Gavin even know Baxter. was returning, is also yeah. now in the transfer portal. Now, even if that was if, if that was the only things going on, it would still be crazy. But to add to it all, which is like get your popcorn out for this. I love this was a no joke. This is when you have to like separate yourself from being a BYU fan to just watch everything burn. Nick Emery decides to tweet. And when Nick Emery decides to tweet about something, 
It is going to be a fun day in Twitter. I'll tell you what. So he takes your tweet and he says, what have I been saying for the last three years? And y'all think I'm crazy. Players and coaches wanting out. I knew time would tell. BYU basketball needs to reconsider. And I'm assuming he's alluding to Pope there. Needs to reconsider having Pope as a coach. He clearly doesn't yes, like Pope. Yeah. He's, 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 he's has not been quiet about that in the past. And so I'm going to kind of give the overview and then I, I got to hear from you, just kind of your take on this. Um, Nick Emery has chimed in the past before talking about kind of Richard Harward and like getting the vaccine and how that was tied to him, like having some heart problems, things like that. That's all, that's all alleged. That's not even, none of that is, nobody's come out and confirmed any of that. But then he also said in that tweet, I love BYU basketball and realize I still have a lot of anger to get rid of and realize that I should keep my thoughts to myself. I am very passionate about things I believe in, but also realize I still have a lot to work on. <laughs> just like, rinse, wash, repeat, Nick Emery. Rinse, wash, repeat. Jake Toulson takes that. He, he takes the original Nick Emery tweet that when he quote tweeted you, when he's going off on BYU basketball again, and says, it's obvious that all you have ever cared about is your poor me victim narrative. If you can't stand the heat, then get out of the kitchen. Nobody's got time for your boo-hoo baby stories. <laughs> And then Jackson Emery, Nick Emery's older brother, chimes in and he tweets at Jake Toulson and he says, I remember when you returned home early from your mission and was going through some deep stuff. Nick always spoke highly of you, respected you, and celebrated your talent. He was one of the first that shot you a message when you returned to BYU. Have a good one. And then Jackson Emery deleted that tweet and Jake Toulson actually responded to Jackson Emery and said, deleting tweets must run in the family. This has nothing to do with mental health or personal struggles. If he wants to take cheap shots at BYU, I'm going to stand up for my guys. Also, how could I come from a mission I, I never went on? Hags, which is have a have a great summer, have a good summer, whatever. Anyway, I gotta get your take, man. What are 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 you? I mean, it's down it's down to this, right? Are you are you Team Emery or are you Team Toolson? <laughs> I, I I'm Team Toolson on this. Nick Emery, he cannot help himself. That's the thing no, about this is he just as you said he in previous tweets and previous iterations when he's. Uh, deleted tweets all that stuff he's always said oh, i maybe i should keep my things to myself but he cannot help himself he is he, just he's a jilted lover let's just put it that way and he cannot help himself from sounding off on mark pope and byu he has a disdain for mark pope it's very evident and uh, Do we i don't have any idea what the genesis of that is by the way i mean obviously it's, it's, nick emory like, had yeah like he had he had retired or whatever right when pope became coach well i can tell you, you this much yeah. Pope helps send him into retirement. Let's just put let's just be, let's just be very clear about this. And that 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 is where this all kind of stems from. Is he feels like he was forced out by Mark Pope? Let's also acknowledge the fact that Nick Emery is one of few athletes in BYU athletics history who has brought down sanctions on a, on a program, has had two seasons worth of wins vacated, forty seven wins that his head coach uh, Dave Rose, who was just an absolute advocate and a champion for Nick Emery. He had all that vacated because he decided to take some uh, illicit vacations, got a, a use of Harry, a free Harry car. Potter world, man. Harry How Potter world, man. Yes. <laughs> There's a, the butter beer. Yeah, man, it's fantastic. I'm I tell you. It's great. But re regardless, that is the whole genesis of this. Mark Pope, when he came in as head coach at BYU, he essentially sent Nick on his way. He said, you know what? We're, we're moving on. Uh, you may look and find somewhere else to play if you want to retire, whatever. But you're no longer a member of this program. And it's been three years now. 
and Nick Emery cannot let it go. He has got a bone to pick with Mark Pope, and I don't know if they need to get in the same room and hash it out. I, I don't know what it's going to take. But the the one other thing, the, the, the piece de resistance with all of this is, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Nick Emery's wife, his now wife, Jenna, actually took to Instagram last night and added a, added a whole other element to this. She said that I'm going to back up Nick, and uh, she also called, she, and she named Mark Pope by name. She said, Mark Pope is a fraud and a liar. That's what, he, oh that's what she God. said in her post on Instagram. And then said that Nick is the only player who's willing to speak up on this. Other players have told us and reached out to us and said that they've had similar experiences. Here's the thing. If there are other players who have the issues with Mark Pope, I have yet to hear about them. And if they, if they eventually at some point want to come out and talk about it, sweet. It is going to just add to the popcorn worthy nature of all of this. But oh, yeah. I just I, I look at this whole deal and I had no idea that when I, w- I got a report, I got uh, some intel that those two players are going into the transfer portal. I had no clue it was going to turn into a soap opera like it did. But oh, what an entertaining day on Twitter it was. Which I loved how you made that comment too on Twitter. You're just like, it's been, this is like one of the days you cherish. <laughs> yeah, BYU, absolutely. BYU sports. Um, yeah, so it's interesting kind of thinking about that dynamic. And I, it did seem obvious that at least, maybe not obvious, but it definitely seemed there was a connection there between Nick Emery and Pope and that the, like there was a falling out when Nick Emery mm-hmm. decided to stop playing at BYU or however he decided, however that went down. But I've actually given my opinion on this podcast. I believe I've done it before. It was a long time ago. But um, the dynamic of that team, when you had Eric Mika, TJ Haas, Nick Emery. I mean, TJ Haas didn't actually ever play with Eric Mika. But um, there was going to be that potential. And it just seemed like there was a lot of camaraderie going into the the Lone Peak 3. And just a a lot of hype, obviously. The moment... Eric Mika decided to leave is when I was cued in a, in a, in a way where I'm like, something seems off. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm taking some liberties here, right? Because I've not talked to anybody about this, but I almost wondered if the locker room was really, really suffering there. And Eric Mika was like, I don't have to be here for this. I hate this. So I'm just going to bounce to Italy. My wife and I both served our missions there. We both mm-hmm. speak Italian. I know I can play there in an instant and maybe make my way to the the league that way or whatever. Just it's anything is better than here. So my sensors were definitely going off. And I was wondering if there was any sense of elitism going on with kind of how highly touted those Lone Peak 3 were recruited. I mean, I think all of them, maybe not all of them, but maybe they were all top ESPN top 100 recruits, which had like never happened in that type of span for BYU basketball. But you could probably correct me there. Either way, they were highly touted. And yeah. it was unprecedented to get those three in that same kind of time frame of two years, essentially, mm-hmm. I just felt like there was some weird things going on. I felt like we had seen it before that Nick Emery wasn't I, in terms of his teammate. I have zero clue what he was like as a teammate, but I know how he was as an opposing player. And a lot of times that can kind of go hand in hand. I mean, yeah. he, he punched the dude from Utah and there was, he couldn't make any bones about it. He, he freaking took a swipe at him. There's just no question. But anyway, I just kind of thought that that made sense why Eric Mika left. And I felt like that dynamic was a lot of really strange and quite frankly, a lot due to kind of Nick Emery's attitude. Towards well, 
with 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 the benefit of having some hindsight on all of this, I feel like the red flags about Nick Emery and his character were actually evident in high school. This is a kid who had multiple instances when he was playing for Lone Peak of instigating with a crowd. I believe there were allegations of him uh, saying something in response to a crowd essentially getting after him. And now that we look back on the entirety of his playing days, both at the high school level and then what he did at BYU, I think there were some red flags that maybe were ignored and maybe it was coddled a little bit. And but trust me, I'm taking liberties on this myself and I, I don't have hard Intel on this, but oh, that's what the podcast is for bringing yeah, on. But, 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 your, but your, your take on Eric Mika is something that I have often wondered myself. I've never had a chance to speak to Eric directly about it. And I'd like to, at some point ask him about it because I'm with you, Eric, I think realized maybe, you know what, my fortunes are better elsewhere and I can go play pro ball. And he did make it to the Sacramento Kings for a hot minute there, right. played what, one or two games with them, but he has made good money. He's still playing overseas. He, he, and I have always wondered that dynamic. I wondered what was going on that would have led Eric Mika, who could have been a all timer. It feels like in BYU history as a big man, yeah. had he decided to remain in Provo what ultimately pushed him to go do that? Did the allure of playing pro ball help? Absolutely. But there is that question of what was the dynamic with, like with Nick Emery, with TJ Haas? Those three had as much pressure placed on them as anybody That's I have true. seen in BYU history because Greg Rebell, and he, he does not like talking about it, but he made this comment on radio saying that I could see more than a couple sweet 16s, if not deeper runs than that in their history with that, with that lone peak three. You know what? It never panned out that way. So it, it, it's one of those things you look at and you wonder what ultimately could have been different. I got to give credit to Dave Rose, Tim Lacombe, that staff, because they navigated NCAA sanctions, all kinds of stuff with Nick Emery. And they they went to bat for Nick Emery. They 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 held this kid up. They made they welcomed him back, brought him back into the program and I, I, I got to give him credit because it would have been really easy for like Dave Rose to say, you just cost me 47 wins on my career record. Right. I'm going to kick you to the curb. Get out of here. And to his credit, he understood the circumstances that Nick was in. And let's also clarify, Nick was going through a very, very nasty divorce. He had extended right. family members actively searching out newspapers, outlets, radio stations, whatever they could get media-wise in, the, in their mind. They wanted to ruin his life. They literally wanted to ruin his life. And that was a very, very hard time for him. He's talked about the fact that he considered suicide at one point. He, had, right. all kinds of, he had all kinds of issues with that. And to Dave Rose's credit, they stood by this young man but when Mark Pope came in and Mark Pope wanted to take the program another direction, said, you know what, we're going this way. Uh, you don't fit in here. And it's unfortunate how things have kind of devolved into what they are. But uh, the guy I work with on a day-to-day -day basis, Patrick Kinahan, he actually just wrote a column for KSL.com. I think it went live today. We're doing this on a Tuesday. He wrote in there, can somebody tell Nick Emery that he needs to let this go? It's three years removed now. The, the fact that he is continuing to take pot shots at this university, at the program that he once called home, that it literally welcomed him back after they cost, after he cost that program multiple seasons worth of games, he needs to let it go. Whatever his personal beef is with Mark Pope, guess what? You can have that beef, but don't let it affect the relationship that you have with the university, with the program. And I'm with PK on this. He needs to let it go. If he does not let it go, it's only going to make things worse. Because as you said, every time Nick Emery tweets, it's 
highlight real material on Twitter. Let's totally be very clear is. about this. It is is popcorn. Grab your popcorn. Let's see how this yeah. is going to go. There are delete deleting of tweets in the Emory family. There's no doubt about that. And Jackson has come to the aid of his brother multiple times. And I get that. I would go to bat for my brothers as well. But the the, the situation that BYU finds themselves in and Mark Pope finds himself in to have a public spat with Nick Emory is going to do serve him no good. Do him no good. Excuse me. And that's what I think Mark Pope, that's why he's been quiet on him. I, I think he he probably sees all of it. He's probably been told about all of it. He's vetted on everything that Nick Emery is saying about him. But I think Mark Pope understands nothing I say and or do on social media is going to help this situation. If Nick wants to continue to take pot shots at us, guess what? BYU fans are going to fire right back at him, and that's what it's going to be. But I am of the opinion that Nick Emery, my personal opinion, he needs to let it go. That That is what has to happen. I mean, I look at the Nick Emery thing and uh, yeah, I mean, he's been through, he's been through hell. There's no question about that. And I mean, I think we could all have a little sympathy here for the guy because nobody would ever wish a divorce on anyone above many other things. And he should have been smarter about taking what he took from certain alumni and things like that and boosters and benefits. Yeah. Yeah. But with that said, the, what what his biggest issue is that any beef he has with BYU, whether or not it's just through Mark Pope or not, is gonna take a toll on the fans. Correct. And the fans are the only permanent structure with that university. Mm-hmm. Coaches come and go. I mean, that's yeah. all fleeting. Other players come and go. Mark Pope is obviously not gonna be at BYU forever. Who knows how long he'll be there? Maybe he'll be there yeah. for a while. It could be two years. It could be twenty years. We don't know. But what we do know is that the fans are essentially gonna stay the same. And those no. are the ultimate stakeholders. Yeah. And by yes. doing what he's doing is he is offending the number one stakeholders, the biggest and the most important structure or p- structural part of the organization. And it's like, well, Nick, we, we actually, if you just kind of went away quietly, you actually could be loved very easily and forgiven because as much as people love a crazy story like this and holding grudges, they actually love forgiving and they love comeback stories. So yeah kind of overlooked on his end is the way I see it, which is unfortunate. And the, yeah, redemption stories, it's what sports is all about. It's what we love. We love the underdog. We love people who get up off the mat and figure things out. And that's that's the situation that I'm interested to see where this ultimately leads for Nick Emery because he is a guy that BYU fans, when this whole thing went down and when he was welcomed back to the university, welcomed back into the program by Dave Rose, I remember many BYU fans saying, okay, let's give this kid a second chance. He made a mistake, all that type of stuff. The, the fact of the matter is, I think a lot of those people who went to bat for Nick Emery have now turned on him because he because of his continued attacks against the university, against the program, yeah. speaking of the BYU basketball program. And it's unfortunate because you're right. I like how you said that it's the stakeholders. They are the lifeblood of any college athletic department, the, the programs themselves, the fans they are around for decades. You're right. Co- coaches come and go. Players are there for a finite period at BYU. It's five to seven years. Guess what? These fans are around for decades, if not longer than that. My grandfather is 89 years old, my friends. He has been a BYU season ticket holder since his 30s, if I'm not mistaken. That's six decades of BYU fandom. He has seen Stan Watts. He has seen Roger Reed. He has seen Dave Rose. He's seen Steve Cleveland. He has seen Tony Ingles. He's seen every coach seemingly that I can ever remember about having any involvement in BYU basketball. That is what you need to avoid if you're Nick Emery, because I, I, if I'd say right now it's probably 95 to five percent, 95 percent of the BYU fans they can't stand Nick Emery. They want him to go away. They want him to shut up. There's probably a five percent or maybe lower than that who are still going to try and 
navigate. Well, he means, okay, guess what? Or they have some connection to him, and that's sure. just kind of what eclipses anything else. Right. Yeah, and that, and that, but the, he could be a guy that BYU fans could become come back into the good graces if he would just get out of his own way in a way. <laughs> just it's, it's still not too late. That's the crazy thing about like yeah. how volatile fan bases and emotional they can be. Like they mm-hmm. they would still forgive him if he went about it the right way. They absolutely yes. would. But yeah. he'd have to show some more consistency. He'd have to be longer than uh, honestly. He'd have to be longer than just a couple of years. But they would forgive him. They absolutely would. Um, okay. So I've already taken a little bit longer of your time than I wanted to, but I do have to pick your brain on a couple more things. Right? That's fine. Your problem. I, got all the, I got all the time in the world for you, my friend. Oh man. You're too kind. You're far too kind. So loner is likely going to Utah. That hasn't been confirmed. Um, you had mentioned, obviously Burgess is going to Utah. You had mentioned on the podcast that for whatever reason, Utah hasn't come out and said as much, but it's, it's actually true. official as of earlier this afternoon. They, oh, finally, right? they finally made it official. It took over a week. I don't know why. Yeah, that's a little strange. But so likely, because there was a connection there. Loner apparently like Burgess. Makes sense. I get that. On its own, you can say if Loner's leaving to go to Utah to be with Burgess, that alone seems like, okay, that could just be a one-off easily. But then you throw in Baxter and Gideon George, and you're kind of like, well, what is going on? Before I ask you a little bit more about that, though, I want to know, are there any Colin Chandler implications here? And I know, I don't think Loner and Chandler had a specific connection. I'd imagine they connected pretty well, like while Chandler was visiting, while he flipped his commitment, just like Loner did. I mean, there was a lot of the same blueprint there. Chandler was going to go to the Utes. He's now going on a mission. He's got two years to think it over. He sees all this going down. He wasn't going to play with Loner anyway, probably at BYU. So that wasn't really a big issue. But, I mean, is there any chance Chandler then flips or whatever, I guess? I don't know. What do you think? Chris Burgess did have a big part in recruiting Colin Chandler. So I don't think you can ever say that he wouldn't consider going to the University of Utah. The only thing that I know that he has said, and I've heard this from enough people, is that he has made no firm decision on what he's going to do after his mission. He's currently signed with BYU. He's committed to be a Cougar at this point. And a lot of times when situations like this go down, a guy like Colin Chandler, he grew up a University of Utah fan. He comes from a Utah family. Like they, they're Utes. And it was a very, as many of you will recall, it was a very highly publicized recruitment period. It came down to Utah and BYU. He picked BYU, and a lot of Utah fans were very unhappy about that. And you're right, the blueprint was very similar to the Caleb Boner situation outside of the fact that Caleb Boner actually signed with Utah and then asked for a release from that national letter of intent to go to BYU. Uh, the latest, I, and I'll, I'll pass this along to your listeners, the latest I have heard on this situation is that Colin Chandler has made no firm decision on what he is going to do. I am of the opinion that he will evaluate things as the next couple of years go by as he serves his mission. I believe he's headed to uh, Sierra Leone, if I recall correctly. He just got a, recently got his mission call. He's going to West yeah, Africa. Sounds right, yeah. Uh, and he's going to evaluate things after that point. Now, I, I, you're probably going to ask about the Caleb Lohner, the Gideon George, and the Gavin Baxter situation. So I'll just I'll, I'll preempt your question, and I'll lay out what I know right now. And this comes from the last 24 hours of me talking with people. This is going to be on Locked on Cougars podcast. I'm going to record here in a little bit uh, for my Wednesday show. But 
Uh, what I understand is Caleb Lohner is actually exploring all options. There was some thought that Utah was going to be the place he was going to land as soon as he entered the transfer portal. That is no longer necessarily the case. Could Utah reemerge as a place he ends up going back to? Absolutely. But I have been told that he's going to look out of state as well. He's going to look at other options to see what's the best situation for him. He wants to change the scenery. He has literally zero intention. I'm telling you right now, zero intention of ending back, uh, ending up back in Provo. Never say never on that, but he's going to look elsewhere. Gideon George, let's just put it this way. He is not staying in this state. Uh, he is going to go to a university, it sounds like, that is on the front range of the Rockies. Uh, you probably can do the math on that, folks. It's They wear green and gold. I'm not going to name them, but you can do the math on that. That's where it sounds like he is going to land. The guy that I am of the opinion will end up at Utah for sure, though, is Gavin Baxter. He's got one year of eligibility remaining. It's a COVID year. He has had three season-ending injuries as a BYU Cougar, had the shoulder injury, had the two ACL injuries. I hope, and I'm speaking, this is my personal opinion. I love talking to Gavin Baxter. He's one of my favorite athletes that's been at BYU in the recent past. He has suffered through so many injuries. I don't care where he lands. I hope he has a senior season to remember. I hope he's healthy. I hope he's able to contribute. And if it's at the University of Utah and he gets to play against BYU, the university called home for four or five years, so be it. That kid deserves a healthy senior season. So, I'm expecting Gavin Baxter to be a Ute. I'm not 100% certain that Caleb Lohner ends up in Utah. I'm actually leaning more towards he ends up going out of state. And as I said, Gideon George, they wear green and gold. They're on the front range of the Rockies. You can do the math on which university he's going to be playing for. So uh, do, is this where I like, I mean, because as you say that, I like that sounds like Colorado State. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's pretty simple, but, right? But that's a freaking random school. So Especially there is a be like, what's that? Sorry. Yeah. So Gideon George, he's from Africa. Obviously, we all know that 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 story. He has a connection with one of the assistant coaches over there, and that that's the thing about that is he is apparently going to. And by the way, he also said this. He issued a statement earlier today on social media talking about entering the transfer portal. He has every intention of exploring all of his professional options. There's no. Uh, there's 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 no reason to think that he wouldn't consider going professional, whether that's in the NBA, the G League, maybe going overseas to start his professional career. If he finds the right situation that he feels like he can succeed professionally, he will forego his eligibility and go play at the professional level. But if he decides to remain in college for the one more year that he has remaining, it's probably going to be uh, suited up for the Rams. Interesting. And Gideon George, his ceiling, by the way, his talent ceiling is very high. He's a little, he's not very polished still, but he did kind of like hone in some things last season. It was yeah. fun to see that progress. Um, but then you also slipped this in there. So you do expect Baxter to actually be a Ute. Uh, I do. Yes. Wow. So, I, I, so then, go ahead. Was there more? Sorry. I was just, just going to say, I, I've been having enough conversations with people. Gavin Baxter is very close with Chris Burgess, and it sounds like he wants to go uh, find a new opportunity for himself. Maybe he feels like there's some bad juju just with all the injuries he suffered as a BYU Cougar. I don't know what his exact reasoning is for going into the transfer portal, but I do expect him, if he decides to continue playing, which, by the way, there was very high consideration of him just calling it a career because of all the injuries he's dealt right. with. But... I would expect if he continues his playing career, it's most likely at the University of Utah. Wow, that's fascinating. Okay, so then my next question is, is and, and you know, honestly, I can even already kind of answer it for you because it's too early to ask something like this, but it is something on my radar. I think it's on a lot of BYU fans' radar. Is this more of an indictment on Pope 
or is this kind of an indictment just on the new system of how transfers work these days? And I think there's a good chance it could be a combination of both, or mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, let's put it this way. The transfer portal is absolutely nuts. I saw, and this is earlier today, so it's that number's probably gone up. 1,400 Division One basketball players are in the transfer portal. There are that. at least... There are at least two programs who have upwards of 10 of their guys off of their roster who have entered the transfer portal. There are a number who have nine, eight. There is an epidemic when it comes to transfers in the college game. Is there going to be a course correction with regards to how the transfer portal is going to work, I think, in the future? Absolutely. But I do think this is a little bit of a symptom of just what the new world of college basketball is. Yeah. Uh, I said this on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Mark Pope, he's going to prove over the next month or so, and really in the next two weeks, because I believe it's May 1st is when transfers have to uh, have signed with the university or declared that they're entering the transfer portal to keep their immediate eligibility with regards to the transfer portal rules. Well, if he's going to get guys in, that's in the next two weeks. He's got to prove his, prove his worth, and he's going to earn his paycheck. He now has eight guys from last year's roster either have graduated or entered the NCAA transfer portal. That is more than half of his scholarship players that he now has an opportunity to remake this roster. So is part of this on Mark Pope? It could be, but I'm withholding judgment on Pope until I, I May 1st. That's kind of when I'm targeting what, what we'll look at, look back at and say, okay, what happened? How did he do in terms of trying to replenish the roster after losing all of these guys? I think at that point, we'll be able to say more about, okay, how much is this on is on Mark Pope versus how much of it is just being the transfer portal for what it is. Right now, the transfer portal is absolutely part of it. Guys, they're discontent with their situation. They can transfer. They can play immediately at a new university. The grass is not always greener, as we all know, but it is just simply a symptom of what's going on in college hoop. So, I mean, I look at, I look at this, and I think a lot of other BYU fans are with me there. Like, that's... Hundred percent. The, the new transfer rules and everything have, have made this kind of just a thing now, for better or for worse. Because quite frankly, I actually do think it is better for players. I, I, I think it was weird that they had to sit out a year. I, I that didn't sit right with me ultimately. A year but, in residence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. This is the ugly side of that, and it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But why would now? A lot of us thought Baxter was retired. Baxter's makes it maybe a little bit more sense. But then you've got three guys it's assuming Baxter was planning on coming back the whole time. And then Gideon George, Caleb Lohner, three, no question starters who were likely going to have expanded roles, definitely more playing time. Yeah. When you have three guys that say, I would rather go battle it out somewhere else, likely starting depending on which school they go to, but most likely they would pick a school where they'd be an easy starter, but still to give up a clear cut starting position with a school that does have some chops already, has a good reputation, has made the tournament in very recent years, but they they give that up to just go to leave. I mean, it's it's weird that they were starters. It, it makes sense if you're not a starter and you go transfer. That to me, it's like sure. almost nobody questions that. But you have three guys that are definitely going to start going into next season if they wanted to stay, and now they're gone. That seems like a team chemistry, maybe locker room issue to me. Well, and that that's the thing is I, I think we can all point to that and say, okay, yeah, there there is some something to all of this because yeah, one transfer, okay, you can you can kind of dismiss it, but you're right. If you had all three of these guys healthy, yeah, they're probably in the starting lineup come November with BYU's basketball program as it stands. So yes, I, I think there is a circumstance or circumstances in that locker room that led these guys to decide, you know what, it's time for me to go look at my my, my options elsewhere. And 
man, I, I look at this and could Mark Pope uh, have maybe offended one of these guys or maybe just there there is something in his culture of his locker room because he's talking about the best locker room in America. And trust me, that's been on my social media feeds. Well, how can this yeah. be the best locker room in America if everybody's leaving? Yeah, the- exactly. I get all that, (laughs) but I I think that you can take each of these uh, players on a case by case basis, look at it and say, okay, maybe Caleb Lohner felt like, you know what? I just need a clean, fresh start. I did not have the season that I expected. Fans were absolutely pounding me. Lohner really floundered there. It was really strange. He did kind of come on. You had noted this on your podcast. He had kind of come on there near the end, but even then it never really like took hold in a way that we were all expecting the season to go especially after his fre- what we what he did as a yeah. freshman. It felt like the the sky was the limit for him after that freshman season. The the transfer that I am most surprised by is Gideon George cuz I was of the opinion Gideon if he came back to BYU, he is a day one starter. He's going to carry more of the offensive load. He's going to be able to show what he can do as a player, but he was stunned me with his decision to transfer and he he's decided, you know what? I want to go explore the professional ranks. I want to look at another university. So be it. The Gavin Baxter one, I just think that this is just me speaking. I think he feels like, okay, I have suffered three injuries here. I need to go see if I maybe, maybe it's just a symptom of me me being at BYU. (laughs) But I don't know. There, there is something going on in the BYU locker room. There is no doubt about that. Maybe, maybe it is Mark Pope. Maybe it's the, just the culture of the the team. Maybe these guys just weren't getting along. I I don't know what exactly it is. I would, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I met, I did meet Mark Pope one time when he was coaching UVU. Sure. And we were all playing on UVU's court. I think it was probably a mutual friend of ours. He was a good friend of mine. I don't know if you knew Preston Darger. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. I know Preston well. Preston was the uh, like kind of marketing director over there for a little Mm -hmm. bit. We would play on UVU's court. Mark Pope stopped us one time and we're all kind of like, well, this is his court. Is he going to tell us to stop? No, he stopped us to like come introduce himself. Like, shake our hands and then tell us a funny story about being in the NBA when he was playing for Larry Bird on the Pacers. And you're like, this guy's amazing. So my, my exposure to Mark Pope couldn't be more positive personally. Now I know that does not who the freak knows. I don't, that doesn't really mean anything. It's just what my one experience with him was. I've played basketball, a lot of pickup basketball with Cody Feger way back Uh in the day. And during my master's program at BYU, when he was a basketball operations guy at BYU. Sure. And, um, Cody was awesome. I loved Cody. I got along with Cody really well. And then I've only heard great things about, I'm blanking on his last name, but Nick, um, Nick Robinson, Nick Robinson and Chris Burgess. Yeah. So it seemed like the chemistry was that like the best locker room in America wasn't hard for me to believe personally, but then you see this and I understand too, like if you looked at all three of these individuals and hopefully really, these are just the only three main ones at least, right? Cause we even have more that we know of as well. That Hunter Erickson and Nate Hansen have also yeah, previously. Hunter Erickson, no, no surprises there, quite frankly. But um, if it was just these three starters, not just these three, sorry. If it was just one of these starters, you could even kind of look at that and be like, there's enough reason there to me be, to be like, well, maybe it's loner wanting to go with Burgess or maybe it's, Baxter just wanting a change of scenery because it just really quite, hasn't quite happened for him here. Or maybe it's Gideon George wanting to explore the professional arena and then maybe go with that connection that he has with the coach at Colorado State or whatever. As a one-off, I, you can kind of justify that, but all three of them together are kind of like, oh, shoot, like did something happen? But it's yeah. all speculation at this point. Well, and that's the thing about that is to bring it to the professional level. I, I've, I've been around the Utah Jazz for many, many years. Many of us will recall what happened with Jerry Sloan and Darren Williams. Like, it seemed like things were going great. 
And then suddenly Jerry Sloan doesn't come out one night until very late, then walks into a press conference and says, hey, by the way, I'm done. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. What was festering? And it makes you wonder, okay, where was – what happened? Was there a was there an incident? Was there was it was it a, a circumstance that caused all this to fall apart? But it, it, it's so fragile in the sports realm, especially on teams. When trust is broken, no matter what may have caused that trust to be broken, it it's hard to put back together in, in cer- certain circumstances. We hear this about the Utah Jazz, uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. They don't like each other. Yeah. Great. Give me some hard and fast evidence of that. I, the, 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 the circumstances be what they are. There is something or some things that happened with the BYU basketball program. And I, I'm not 100% certain that it's going to be put to, back together right away. But Mark Pope, he has to go about putting together a competitive roster because guess what? He's got the Big 12 on deck in yep. 18 months' time. He has got to get things figured out. Or BYU is going to walk into an absolute buzzsaw, and they might be the dregs of the Big 12 for some time. Could be a while, yeah. And if I mean, the tournament, if March Madness is any indication, like if we learned anything, it was that that's going to be a rude awakening, no question. Huh? All right, one last thing before I let you go. Are there any updates on Richard Harward? Should we have any expectations there? So uh, I have not heard anything actually recently about Richard Harward, and I need to find out about that because I, I, I sincerely wish the best for him because I was actually at that game with my son. Uh, it, was that, it was the exhibition game against Colorado College, if I recall. It was the very first exhibition game of the season for BYU basketball. Uh, he was playing, and then suddenly I see him being carried to the locker room. I'm like, what in the world just happened? And they said it was heart issues and he was, he was essentially done for the season. They're going to reevaluate at some point. Uh, He made a statement that made it sound like that his time at BYU was done. Maybe his career was over and it sounded like that. Yeah. But I, I sincerely wish the best for him. And I I just, that's such a sad situation because Richard Harward, he was an absolute force on the interior for BYU basketball. I am of the opinion, this is just my personal opinion, if BYU had both Harward and Gavin Baxter healthy this year, they win probably three to five more games. They're absolutely NCAA tournament, and they're, they're absolutely an NCAA tournament team. But you know what? You have to play the the hand that you're dealt, and they had to go with Fus Traore and Atiki Aliatiki, who were true freshmen, and they right. both look like the promising prospects, but... It's unfortunate because Richard Harward, it sure looked like he was poised to have a really he dominated win. BYU when he was at UVU. Yeah. Richard <laughs> Harward. Was... Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that opens up a ton for Barcelo as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, would, yeah. it would have made life a lot easier for a guy like Alex Barcelo, T. John Lucas, uh, guys like yep. Trevin Nell and Spencer Johnson. They would have seen more opportunities with more spacing and the ability yep. to get their shots off. But it's unfortunate, but I, I, I don't know what's happening with Richard Harward, but I hope this is not the the last part of his story. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, Jake, thanks so much for coming on, man. And taking the time seriously. It, awesome to reconnect with you. Fun to bring this back and, and get some in-depth analysis of the state of BYU sports, basketball, all that stuff. Uh, I would love to have you back at some point if you would be so willing. We could talk a little BYU football too because this year could be freaking awesome and bring you on to kind of get your perspective on that would be amazing. So I'd be I'd be happy to anytime you need me, my friend. Hey, don't be careful because I just might take you up on that. <laughs> hey, no problem at all. All right. Thanks a lot, brother. Good luck with everything and uh, best of luck with uh, the trajectory. It's going to be exciting to see you go. 
and uh, we'll stay in touch, all right? I appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, man. You too. He is Jake Hatch, which is at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. If you want to give him a follow, he is the ultimate breaker of the news for BYU sports. So if you're looking for that, he's fantastic at it. Jake is a great follow. He's very interactive, actually. Strong following, awesome connections to the university. He's got that nice balance between being a fan, being objective, all that stuff. He also, like we had mentioned, produces the morning show for The Zone, 1280 The Zone, the radio show in the state of Utah, as well as the host of Locked On Cougars. So check out his podcast, because if you're a BYU fan, it really is like a shot in the arm, just a half an hour long, where he's just kind of telling you everything that is kind of the most up-to-date real news in real time for BYU sports. He was He's hot on it. Jake does a great job. He's a workhorse. Anyway, check him out. Give him a follow. Uh, appreciate y'all listening. Next week, we will be back. We will be back, I promise. And in fact... It should be a pretty fun and random episode. I'm going to be talking about the time I was on that uh, episode of Ridiculousness. And I'll even show the clip out on social media. So be excited for that. I'm going to bring on my buddy that was an integral part of that the video that we created that was on the show Ridiculousness. And um, I'm going to kind of do this new format where we had a little bit more structured once a week. Excited to get back on the wagon, guys. Thank you all for encouraging me, encouraging me to be back. I love you all. Have a great week. We'll see y'all next week. Different time. Old love, I remember falling so madly. There must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night. Cause I could almost see it. Did you fade right out of you? If it takes time. 